0: All right, let's face it, everyone's jumping on the podcast bandwagon, right? Well, the person who invented the term jump on the bandwagon was P.T. Barnum, and he invented a little thing called the Barnum & Bailey Circus. So let's jump on the new wave circus, Anchor. Anchor is a free podcast app that will help you distribute to uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even more. They have tools you can use to edit your podcast wherever you are, whether it be from your phone or from your laptop. And uh, not only that, it's free. You can make your money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And all you have to do
1: is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Oh. Men of Sparta! Today!
2: Joe
3: battle like this deserves the s- O- okay. K- Soul. What is your name, Lieutenant? I am Jamal.
0: Jamal! I'll follow Jamal until I can get back with
3: my s- O- K- Soul. Look for me quite some time. Smart
2: thought okay. <laughs> 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 I tore a ponytail.
3: O-
1: okay. K-
0: I can feel it all the way down in my
3: plums. Yeah! So the f- what?
0: And we're back! Coming at ya. On this very special edition of YSP, uh, we. had the chance to sit down with a gentleman I respect very much, Uh, even though his name is Evil Mark. uh, He's not so evil, if you ask me. Trying to make things work on shooting the video version of the podcast, so uh, bear with us while we try to get this figured out. A big shout out to Evil Mark for taking some time uh, to put some of the rumors to bed. Uh, As I stated, uh, another one of our esteemed colleagues, or I shouldn't say esteemed colleagues yet because I'm still too new to this, but... Um, you know, we had to address some some accusations that have been flying around in the same fashion the accuser flies around, if you think about it. Of course, I'm talking about Jared, the host of the Feathers and Friends podcast, which I will be doing tomorrow. As you guys hear this, I will probably have already done. Yeah, he's a great guy, and this is all in good fun, but... You know, you gotta defend yourself when, when your back's against the wall and, and you, got, you got a guy coming at you with dueling birds, uh, you can't you can't just stand there. But all jokes aside, we actually get into, we delve into the background uh, evil Mark and the impact uh, that pimping had on his life. Now, I'm not gonna lie, there have been some rumors going around, uh, you know, a lot of people speaking in hushed tones about how Mark, you know almost removed his legs because he can't stand these levels. But to hear it, you know, from the mouth of the man himself and, and the way he did business and, and held it down, it's, it's a note to feel more slim in my Bay Area roots. We also get into comedy. We talk a little bit about uh, Rogan and, and the hierarchy that exists now and the hierarchy we agree with and that we don't. And nobody ever always agrees on comedy. Bottom line is, if it makes you laugh, then laugh. If it doesn't, sometimes it's okay to laugh anyways. But never not laugh when you think something's funny. That's the real takeaway from all this bullshit. Big shout out to uh, President Biden once again. I appreciate the shout out from you. It meant the world to me for almost the whole time we were editing the episode. It was it was so important to me for that, that three and a half hours. Greatest three and a half hours of my life, I gotta tell you. I mean that day. Oh, hold on a second, what's this? I've just been given a note that uh oh someone doesn't like the way biden's been bogarting in the ysp all right easy you can be on the next episode this is about mark today and of course with the mention of the Birdman, aka jared nivas aka jared uh feathers and friends check out his podcast on spotify impaired uh, gaming productions on youtube check out evil mark at evilmark.com and while you're on youtube why don't you just beat the shit out of the subscribe button already i mean he has been talking behind your back long enough i mean you, you defend your family's honor at some point right but thanks for listening, everybody. I appreciate it. Check out yesopodcast.com for all the videos. And stay tuned for an ex-presidential shout-out. That's all I need is another fucking ex to deal with. But that'll be next episode. Also, on Spotify, don't forget to check out Sucia, some of my favorite, with Gaio Cochino Chingon. I like that guy. He's a straight shooter. And I'm not talking about gunplay, although that's probably not off the table. Anyways... And if anybody from the Clubhouse app is listening, well, first of all, if anybody who's not in the Clubhouse, I mean, if you're not on Clubhouse already, get with it. On the Clubhouse app, you can literally network with so many different kinds of people. It's great. Everything from practicing stand-up comedy to discussing the news, politics, religion, and it doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, you can find a place on there. So if you have any extra smoke laying around, you look me up. I'm at D-Rev, T-H-E-E-R-E-V, and we will get smoky. I don't know why I just said that. I've never said that in my life. Fuck it, I'm leaving her in. But yeah, anybody who is on the Clubhouse app already this Friday, it's the roast of uh, one of the uh, Clubhouse, OGs, as they would call it. And I'm not gonna say her name because I don't know how comfortable she would be with that. But if you were really interested, you can go you can find me on Clubhouse and you'll know exactly who it is. She's been around for a long time. Everybody knows her. I'm honored that she asked me to host, but it doesn't make me feel any better about what I have to do as a host. Totally kidding, gonna flame on. It's gonna be great. Everybody's a suspect.
3: Flame on shit with my pants is sagging.
0: All right, YSP welcomes Evil Mark to the show.
3: mark.com. And uh, if you haven't heard about him, go learn about him. And uh, I do appreciate your time, man. Thanks again for being here. Um, the, the reason that I, I, I requested that you come on the show last minute was because there's, there's, been some, uh, there's been some irrevocable allegations that have been made against me. Um, some, would say, some would say bamboozled, maybe run amok. Um, <laughs> it's 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 interesting.
1: Um, <laughs> okay,
3: so bamboozled. That's like that's an
2: old school term. Now we're getting. Now we're going back. Flimflam.
0: Flimflam. That's bamboozled. Uh, I don't. I'll be honest with you. I don't even know what bamboozled means. It just sounded funny in my
3: head.
2: Like taken. Like yeah. This is like.
3: Like tricked, right?
2: Tricked. Like, yeah. Bamboozled. Yeah they ran a scam. They bullshit. They on some bullshit. Some <laughs> bullshit.
3: There you go. That, I'm very familiar with
2: that. One. <laughs> that that's the one I'm more
3: familiar with. They on some bullshit, man. Have you ever heard wolf tickets? No, I've never heard. What is that? Yeah, that's something in the Bay Area we used to say. Yeah. So if you sell tickets. somebody wolf tickets, yeah, wolf tickets. No.
2: Oh, I got I got a friend who's who's originally from the Bay. I'm going to have to throw that at her. Oh, she'll be like
3: she'll be like, "Oh my god, where did you I'll even know. find that?" <laughs> selling wolf tickets it's a song by uh, e40 is where it started you know, that's Shit, like
2: all the sayings like seem to come from e40 you so, know that like oh, all the oh bay area boy. stuff comes
3: from <laughs> e40 dude yeah, yeah e40 is a cool dude you know one thing a lot of people don't know about him is he's like six four on the show is um, we have a, a colleague or, you know I, I i think he's a colleague i feel he's a colleague and by the way just to, just a. Uh, um legal disclaimer uh this is all in good fun okay so you know we're not we have no ill will against each other but that being said jared who is the host of uh feathers and friends uh, another podcast which is actually a lot of fun i've done uh once i'm going to be doing again this week um he he had he had an, he brought up an allegation saying that i i was taking a shot at you when i it's shocking anybody who knows me misunderstood a term or didn't know the meaning of a term which i do all the time by the way um, for the record, I, I, I don't know where terms. right now. I can barely think of a term he can spit out But um, there, he said something to the effect of or he played a, a
1: clip now I was gonna have the clip queued up, but I did I gotta say this mark uh, Rev was talking some shit and I'm gonna go ahead and play you that little clip here if it wants to load up for me And everything works as it should so this is Rev kind of talking some shit, and then we're gonna get your uh, your take on it cool,
3: okay, cool um, Superb Owl, which I still struggle to say. I, I don't know how many times I've said it, and I still struggle to say that goddamn thing every time.
1: I I, like, I hate how the NFL has that monopoly, and I just call it the Super Bowl. I don't care. The NFL is not going to come after my podcast. I, like I've got an okay following for doing it for three years, but like the Super the, the NFL is going to be like, oh, what, feather, what? What is that? Nobody cares. Like look at that logo. Who cares? So. Yeah. Wait a
3: minute. Wait a wait a minute. Is what? that why he named it Superb owls Because the NFL is gonna cut. Co- he was. He's afraid of the NFL. Mark, I'm talking to you, Evil Mark. Really? That's why he he changed
0: it to Superb Owl because of the copyright
1: mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Well, he's oh. he's got a big enough following that they could cut oh, right. down Even on. That's him. True. Yeah. They they definitely would. Uh, and he's actually so it's it's. And then he just kind of calls you out, kind of at the the end there. That's where I I spout a lot of dumb exposition. (laughs) But he's calling you kind of a pansy for that, man. What's your response, Mark? Okay. In the clip, he says uh, that I took a
3: shot at you when I said – when I asked if you were worried about the NFL uh, being – or about your show using the word Super Bowl and having trouble with the NFL. Now, uh, I know another, another disclaimer. I am autistic. Barely. Barely, 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 but I use it as excuse every time I game. <laughs> how, how was what I said construed as a a shot or like a a like a swipe? I, I, that's, that's the part I, I don't understand.
2: See, yeah, I didn't read it that way. I, I read it more like the, I think the title that was used for that particular episode was, I, like I was titling it as Superb Owl mm-hmm. rather than Super Bowl. And like all the segments were named Superb Owl. Yes. Yeah. And I think on, on his, I, when you guys were on his episode, I think it was like, he mentioned like, why do you think he used that in the, you know, and you think he's worried about the NFL. And I I think what was missed there was like, I made this joke, this superb owl, and it's definitely like a Reddit inside joke. It hasn't like, it, it, you have to be part of Reddit in order to understand that. Like a lot of these Reddit things, like a lot of things that are specifically to Reddit, like if you're not part of Reddit, it makes no sense to anyone. So unless you're like deeply, heavily involved in Reddit, it just sounds like, gibberish or nonsense so superb owl was like this inside joke that i never recognized on the on the uh, on in the episode and was just like kind of ran with it i didn't even tell eric my co-host at the time i was just like this is what i'm going to call the segment this is what i'm going to name the episode i do that a lot with the names of the episodes like at the last moment we'll record 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 for two hours and then i'll come up with a name at the very last second when we go to publish and i'm literally like yeah this is kind of funny but at that point like all the external funny's been been used up. Now it's just funny for me. That's now I'm the only person I'm trying to please at this point is me because I'm bored out of my mind. So yeah, I think it was that, and I think there was just a little confusion when you guys were having the discussion about Superb Owl versus Super Bowl, and uh, I didn't take it like that at all. I was just like, oh, this is a joke that I never explained, which happens very very frequently on my show. Uh, there's always like little side jokes or little references. I know we talked about weeks ago. We talked about Dash Rendar. We talked about the expanded universe. Of
3: I, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure how how he saw it as a shot because my my intention was like your evil mark and fuck the NFL. I mean. No, I don't know if you have plans on playing for them one year, but someday in the yeah. future. But uh, <laughs> yeah, one day it's gonna work out. They're they're gonna be looking for that that forty two year old rookie uh,
2: uh, center who can still snap the ball. And I'll be like, I'll be the guy. I'll be the first call, the first guy. The Cardinals are like, Hey, can you make it? And I'll be like,
3: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think I still <laughs> dust off that twenty second forty. I still run and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, well, then that that kind of confirms what what I, I expected here is that. Uh, I think that, that Jared is up to shenanigans, which um, I think there's I've – I've gotten away with a lot of stuff, so I think maybe this might be one of those scenarios where I kind of have to pay for something I didn't do. You know, but – um, let's see. If right like there. wrongfully accused, wrongfully accused. Yeah, yeah, you know that goes. You met, I mean, as you did, you met a bunch of people that were all wrongfully accused. All
2: wrongfully, because I only met one guy in my entire time who was like, especially white collar people, white collar crime. White white collar criminals are the worst. Like white collar criminals, are always like, it's a misunderstanding. You don't understand. Like this guy's supposed to sign for the paperwork, or this guy, like the white collar criminal will have you like a story like like a girl like a teenage girl who got pregnant like they got that kind of detailed intimate story that like has a million different side twists and like and what you see had happened was and you know and, and and you know we were watching Baywatch in the middle of the night like there's all kinds of this bullshit that kind of mixes in there but like there's only one white collar criminal i ever met in my time who was like he's like yep i stole them i stole those motherfuckers money and i deserved i was smarter than them i deserved to spend that money they did like i was like i was like i was like first of all you're the most based Dopest fucking white collar cr- criminal of all fucking time. When you're like, how long, How
3: much time did he get?
2: Oh, he got twenty. And his, his his he got twenty. He had just got down to us because he got down to ten. And he had I think his, his restitution was like uh, twenty seven million or something like that. He was up there. Not he oh, wasn't so, the top guy. We had a guy who was in the hundred, but he was right there. Like he was a strong number two.
3: So he's he's got a stash somewhere. That's why he's still talking like that. Yeah, that's why. (laughs) Because he knows
2: knows he's going to make it home, and he knows he's got that money. And then uh, I I was also there with the uh, – gosh, I can't remember the guy's name. I know he – in all the newspapers called him Black Bernie Bernie Madoff. He had like – his is like close to 75, almost close to $100 million in restitution because he ripped off – he was a, uh, an LDS guy, a Mormon guy. He got in with all these other Mormons, and he ripped off a bunch of fucking Mormons, and that's the one thing you can do. If you're, you're going to steal money from white people, you got to be careful. You steal money from, like, waspy white people. You can't, you can't steal money from, like, connected white people, like really connected or LDS white people because they yeah. will throw your ass in prison. Yeah, or Scientology. Or scientologically. Yeah, you can't you can't steal money from scary white people. You only steal money from like normal white people.
3: Well, you know, a lot of people don't realize is that white people, for the most part, don't stick together. So when you find them sticking together, you don't want to try to take their money because then they're all already going to team up. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. you know, when they're clicked up on the outside, you know they're dangerous. Like that's
2: like you know, when white people click up on the outside, like you know, there's like there's some shenanigans going on. You know, they they run a tight little crew if they're clicked up on the outside.
3: I thought it would be like that. You're absolutely right. I'm sick of these white people clicked up on the outside.
2: <laughs> yeah, when they got when they got a car outside the fucking outside the yard, they got the car outside. They're like, <laughs> yeah, we got this own thing. Then you know these some dangerous motherfuckers, especially if yeah, they're yeah, white.
3: You see a limo pull up to pick somebody up. <laughs> you're like, Who's getting picked up from here in a limo Yeah. <laughs> or they no, you know what another key would be is when they, they give you your hundred bucks on your way out, and you're like. Meh. <laughs> <laughs> on your release day, i don't know what they do for feds anymore. yeah um, no
2: nah, <laughs> they don't do that in the feds that would have been cool i you had to save everything you you had you had, you had to save on your books when you got that on your little card as you're walking out the door and then everyone's like i can't wait to go to you know it's, it's never like no one's ever like i want to go out and have like a five-star meal or i want to go out and like it's not even like like uh aspirational like i want to go to applebee's it's always like God awful, most garbage shit. They're like, I can't wait to go out and go to Wendy's, or like, I can't wait to go out and go to Carl's Jr. or Hardy's. Like, mine, mine was definitely not aspirational. Mine was like, as soon as I find a Subway, and I wouldn't eat Subway right now. Like, I. Uh-uh, I ain't rolling I ain't big time, but even I'm like too rich to eat at a fucking subway right now. But when I first got out, I was like, I'm gonna find a sub sandwich and I'm going to kill that motherfucker. Like the moment that bus stops, I'll be like, where's the subway? I, there's like a million of them on every in every little city in America. Tell me where the one is. I'm going there. Of, meatball sandwich? sub it's going down. The it's going down sub? for real. Yeah. Two meatball subs. Day I got out, I was looking for that motherfucker. I my little card burning a hole in my pocket and I was like I'm getting both of these motherfuckers get, get back to the bus because you eat so poorly in, in the 18 months up to that you're like when you eat all that shit on the outside you're like instantly you go from like oh yeah I, I'm gonna be sick as a fucking dog <laughs> now yeah. I'm gonna be sick
3: <laughs> it, like there's a show I watched it was so true that um, it was like a it was one of those shows on ID Discovery or something where the guy gets out of jail and they follow him around from his. they followed him for six months before he gets out and he gets out and he goes to 7-Eleven and he buys like he he tries a Red Bull, and then he goes back in, he buys two, four packs of them, he <laughs> buys like two packs of cigarettes, and he buys like a lottery, not a lottery scratcher, he bought something, or he was gonna buy them, and they were like, he wouldn't, he couldn't claim it if he won, so he didn't, uh. Uh, and he was the saddest thing, due to watch him like blow through 50 bucks out of the 100, or whatever 150 he had in his hand, See, so in, in state, I didn't even do state, I did county, and it's not um, you don't or you can't earn money there so that's probably why they give you that
2: uh, okay yeah that's yeah that's probably why yeah, and in the feds man you'd see all these guys especially young guys get out and they would go right to the the 7-eleven or the circle case or whatever and they'd buy those like lame android phones like they'd be so desperate for a cell phone they'd like get out there buy this cell phone say, like be on the bus like trying to hook it up get it get everything set up on it like they're getting their little ringtones like i i was like I was like, no, man, I, I got to find me the meatball subs. That's what yeah. I was all about. I was like, give me the meatball subs. I don't care about no cell phone. The cell phone, I'll, we'll get to that when I get back home.
3: But like right now, I got to get the sub. Well, I mean, I, I don't know what what you were framed for, but I'm assuming you probably weren't allowed near a cell phone for the next 18 months or something. Or what? oh, <laughs> was that a condition it, to your parole that you couldn't touch anything electronic. <laughs> no, no. I like what's
2: was funny was like you literally, but you had to be checked into. You had to be on the next phase. You had to be in confinement, or you had to be in the halfway house, and at that point. Hmm. What's funny is, like, the rules were, like, you had to have a flip phone. Like, you couldn't have a smartphone. And then, like, two months in, the federal rule, all the federal rules changed. They're, like, all right, fuck it. You guys can have cell phones. You can have them in in your bunks. And if you're in the halfway house, you can have, you can do whatever you want with them. they literally, like, changed the rules when I was halfway through. And I was, like, this is the coolest shit ever because now everyone's, like, back at the bunk in the halfway house. Like, everyone's on Tinder. Everyone's on, like, dating profiles. Like, and then, you know, everyone's, like, like, oh, this – yeah everyone's like there's yeah it's like death. it's like a library right like there's all these dudes like five guys in a room and all you hear is like <laughs> and then you like, like man i wish i could get out of here man even for tonight if i could just some get off the property man i could make it happen i got all these fucking bitches you know they're, they're thirsty as fuck but i can't get out of here
3: man that's um I, you know it's funny I heard, I heard you tell your your harrowing story i, I want you to tell your story i don't know if you want to tell it on here or not but that, that was interesting but it, it, uh, it's it's a cautionary tale um, about about your interaction with a, a an individual after you got out. Um, but the the one thing that was funny. That oh, I, wait,
2: are you talking about the dope whore that I fucked in the halfway
1: house? Is that what we're talking? Well, about? you know, I can't yeah. kind of
3: swear, but hell yeah. That's <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm talking about. sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you, you want to tell that story? Because I'd love to hear it again.
2: Oh uh, yeah yeah. All right. So this is this is this is pretty crazy. So there was uh, oh, a yeah. uh, got out. They, one of the halfway house that I went to was male and female. So they they keep us out at different hours. So the men would be out during odd women would be out during even or I forget it was vice versa. So there was this, I was like in my, in apartment that was like right on the corner of where the men's dorms met the women's dorm. And there was this really blonde cutie, like way, way out of my league, like way better than, what I could usually pull, even on my best days, even when I first got out. So she was very interested. She was like, what did you do time for, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking like, oh, this is fucking great. Like, this chick is blonde, she's small. Like, this is like, why is she talking to me? I'm like, she's gotta be fucked up in the head. Pinch but, yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, but no matter what, it doesn't matter if she's fucked up in the head. Here I am, it's time to take advantage. So Me too. so i'm like yes all right so you win a lot you win the lottery you don't you don't just sit there look at the ticket and go like wow look at this yeah why do they make tickets yeah (laughs) you go cash this motherfucker in that's what you do (laughs) you go i need a ride give me a ride to the store i need to cash this motherfucker so we set it up she ends up we end up she ends up sneaking over to my little apartment because all everyone else is in my my unit is off at at work they're actually working their job i'm at home watching like maury povich and and jerry springer all, all day long and she comes over and we start to hook up, and in the middle of in the middle of hooking up, like she starts bleeding, like bleeding blood running down her nose, and it's because she was a uh, 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 she would do heroin and meth, and I don't remember what she was with. I think it was meth, but it, it might have been heroin because heroin's more snortable than, than meth. You usually got to get like really really good meth before you get snorted, but you get to you know, smoke <laughs> meth, don't you? Oh, you, I mean, meth you can smoke, you can shoot, but you can also snort the really best, the best, best meth you can, you can snort or you can hot rail it, which is basically like you snorting it down, but you're burning it up as, as you're bringing it into your body, which gets you supposedly gets you like higher than fuck. But, uh, but she, she starts, hot, so. yeah, she was hot. She's fucking me. She's riding me. Like she's sitting in my lap and she's riding. She's looking at me. We're making eye contact. And then she starts like bl- blood comes, starts pouring out of her nose and like, I didn't want to stop because so I just like kept going. And now I'm like looking off, and I'm like, I'm like, uh, I don't want to look at you in the face because you, it looks like a fucking nightmare. It looks like a horror show, and you're like uh, bleeding all down your face, and and now you're and now she's bouncing, the blood's like splashing on me, and I'm like, uh, Now all of this, I'm disgusted, but I'm not going to stop because I'm like I'm trying to get to the finish line. Here, you're so. an animal. Yeah, you got to do. I mean, once you commit, you, you can't it's be a quitter, right? You. Yeah, you cannot be a quitter in life. So go through, and she's got blood all over me, she's got blood all over my shirt, uh, it, yeah, it, it was the craziest thing, I had never, um, like, I have known some dope whores, and I, I have definitely fucked some dope whores, because there was a while there where um, all I did is exclusively, like, mess with escorts, like, all I would do is run my comedy shows, and I would just see escorts, this is, like, in the day's back page, like, all I would do, uh, like, I wouldn't even date a, a real girl, dude. Yeah, I wouldn't even date a real girl. Like, I would literally just meet girls off backpage. It'd be like hundred dollars. My favorite was, gosh, I, I don't know if you if you, you you can use this, but like my favorite thing was be like back in the days of backpage, would be like post an ad and be like, no, look, I got a couple, I got a couple hundred bucks, but look, like I'm not looking for any professional. I'm looking for somebody who just really needs the money, and that'd be great because then you get a girl who was like maybe a single mom or maybe just a regular woman who wasn't a pro but who was willing to have some fun for a little bit of money. So you, this would be like the first time. So this is like the most sugar daddies. This is this is like now this is uh, now let's talk real pimping with rap. Let's talk real pimping. (laughs) I know that was the name of your episode, but (laughs) real pimping is is basically turn this trick out, this hoe out for the first hundred dollars. Then you know they don't they don't really know what the rules are, they don't know what they should do. They're not like you know, a lot of these experts are like, look you know airbag blowjob and, and, and condoms they're not this they're not, they don't have all the rules they don't know all that stuff yet because they haven't been in the game long enough they're literally breaking them into the game and that was like the coolest shit ever in my mind because it was literally like you get all the fun you get out the door for cheap and you basically get a home <laughs> as you walk out the door which is like i, I well, wouldn't do that now i would not i would encourage any of our listeners to do that i'm just saying that ho women was probably the coolest most badass thing that ever happened in my life
3: yeah you hear that kids he's not wrong and just because he did it a long time ago doesn't mean it's still possible. So God bless you, Mike. I yeah. You.
2: <laughs> Let me tell you, you're just cool as
3: shit. <laughs> oh, man. That, that's got to be probably one of the best examples of why prostitutes and pimps should exist that I've ever heard. I mean, I, there's, there's no violence involved. There's no, uh, you know, nobody gets hurt. I mean, you know, emotionally, but on this podcast we don't discuss emotions.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, they were already hurt by their fathers a long time ago. Like, damage has already been done. You're literally there, just there to
3: somebody else's father,
1: of course.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, somebody, someone has done the damage here—the uncle or father—but it's not you. You're literally just there to. To pay some light bills, and I, I, I could tell you some crazy stories, man. We like we would literally be like, uh, we'd be like. Uh, especially Phoenix was popping off at the time because Backpage was huge. Backpage was like originally done by some Phoenix guys.
3: I, I see. I'm not even familiar with Backpage. What's Backpage? Oh,
2: Backpage or? Yeah, Backpage was Craigslist, but it was like the dirtier Craigslist. So like gotcha. it was everything that you could not that that Cra- craigslist is already shady right craigslist is like Super they shady. use they use code words they use this that like you could find anything you want on craigslist but you got to kind of like kind of known the terminology I was like, like back page was like straight up like you could go to a page and they'd be like look i'm selling an ak-47 i'm selling five of them if you want to come buy three of them for five hundred dollars a piece you know let's meet in this this alleyway or let's meet at the dick sporting goods on blah, blah blah like it was literally like that and it was all above board. It was all legal. And, and like girls would be literally posting their ads. They'd be like, look, you know, there'd be escort ads, but then there'd also be personal ads. And the personal ads would just be like girls saying like, oh, look, I need to make a hundred bucks. I need to pay my APS bill. You know, it literally be like, yeah, all right. And you know, you message them on there. They message you back. And would be like, look, bring your APS bill and bring all three of your holes. Come on down to my house. We'll take care of business. We're going to get this light bill taken care of. And I'm going to give you $20 for gas. And if you're lucky, I'm going to, like, throw some pieces down your throat after the afterwards when everything's all done. Because I'm a
3: gentleman. I try to keep it, I try to keep it really, just, really classy. You literally just wrote, like, three Hallmark cards, bro. <laughs> I mean, that was – that is – I mean, you know what? It, it, it's honest. And, and I applaud you.
2: <laughs> hey, I, you know what, I, I'm not even like trying to say it to be crazy like I'm just being real like that's how like in that time back when I was when I was doing my stuff like that was like it like I was making a shit ton of money, like uh, going out and doing shows and but when I wasn't doing shows like during the day I'd be like didn't have a girlfriend, I was bored. I was alone, you know, I'm horny and I'm looking online and I see all this stuff that's going on. I'm like, yeah, why not? And then I used to do a lot of professional girls and it just got to the point where I was like, I don't like their attitudes because they're always like, give me the money first or, you know, they, they've been, they're so used to the rip and run. Like yeah, the guys would go there the yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or like, oh, I want you to use this or don't, yeah, don't look at me or, you know, you know, and a chick who's never done it before. Literally, I'd be like, literally, I'm going to call you Stephanie. the money you're going to get after the fact and you're basically not going to say no. And she'd be like, all right, actually make it 50 more. And I'd be like, boom, we're done. Let's get going. Like it would literally be that it would be like, boom, like that. And then they'd be back around. Like, I hate to say it, it's going to sound really, really insensitive, but like the, the, the crash of 2008, the, the depression of, uh, of 2008 was like the best thing. If you were if you were fucking homes and you were trying to turn women, like 2008 was the year it was fucking on because they, 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 there was a crunch and people felt it did. I mean, just, just being real. I mean, it was crazy out there in 2008, 2009. I mean, bitches didn't even have a house. Like it, it was crazy. So we, we need to figure out another way to make the market crash. Once this market crashes, I'm telling you that that it's going to be open season on poontang. And I'm just telling you, you got to have all your your, all your ducks in a row. You got to have you got to have your talk ready. You got to have your money ready. You got to have your money right. You got to make sure that you're in a business that's recession proof. Because when everything goes down, someone's going to take advantage. It's better off. It's better off you or one of your listeners, uh, one of my listeners who listens to me and maybe hear me on this show. Uh, rather than just some some lame brain guy, you, you don't want that. You you exactly. not you want you want
3: them to get money and you want them to, to live. You're, you're being somebody's going to somebody's going to do it. Why not be you? Yeah, you
2: know? yeah. This is America. Everyone, someone's going to be exploited. Might as well yeah. be you who's yeah, doing Learn your history, sport. Good, of <laughs>
3: Learn your history before you come get tricked and pipped out. That's the worst one. A whore doesn't know. a hoe doesn't know her history, <laughs> man. When, when a bitch doesn't even know her history, man, I know it's fucked up. It just come uneducated like a motherfucker.
2: I'll tell you one thing, they always know their math, right? Always know that math. They can count a bunch of 20s like it ain't nothing. They got that math now. It's never, it's, it's the like, it's like the history. It's like the current events. There's like, it's like geography. Like they think Puerto Rico is on the west side of town. Like they don't even know any of that shit. But, but when it comes to money, they got, they got like a PhD in that shit. How many 20s make $500? I guarantee you hoes know
3: can't everybody do like their own pimp like impression like everybody knows you know it's like like I teach I was just thinking like, like you're saying that like you're right they do know their math but like I don't I, don't, I don't only teach a bitch one number and it's ten and you ain't one no. Yo know, until you are I'll tell you about the rest of the numbers you know what my favorite thing
2: about pimping though is like I, I remember seeing you remember that old documentary that you have on HBO where the guy would be like uh, you yeah, know he be talking about down. Yes, exactly. And, you know, he's talking about the uh, – she gets busted, right? Yeah. And she gets busted, and now she needs to get bailed out. And, and he says – well, no, no, I'm sorry. They go back and they say, well, how much of the money do you take? And the guy's like, I take all the money. I take all that bitch's money. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. He's like, well, what, what, if, she gets, what if she gets in jail? Or she's, like, she's like, I'll bail her out. Because if I only took 60% of the money, then when I show up, I'm going to give you that bitch 60% of the money to get bailed out. Because I take care of everything. I take it all. I take it all. And I remember it was like such, that was so, that was like a crazy documentary and you realize like, but there was a lot of rappers who kind of like took off on that idea and there's other people who took, you know, kind of, I don't, I don't think like, Maybe there were a few guys who were actually, like, real pimps. Like, I kind of think maybe T.I. actually did do some pimping, despite some of the stuff he says it just gets a little bit too close. I was like, this guy knows the whole game. Like, this guy knows me. But other guys, you know, it's, it's kind of like they're LARPing, like they're pretending they yeah, are. But,
3: yeah, for sure. Uh, but, but I, I, I think, think his like, wife might be. his wife, I, I, would, I would say that, that his wife would have a better chance of being a madam than T.I. would be in the pimp.
2: She, she is there's she's a real gislaine about
3: her yeah
2: she's a gislaine maxwell bitch she's yeah, the kind of bitch real. that set everything up you know he he go away he got busted by the feds and everything's still everything's running like 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 mussolini all the trains are running on time she's got everything locked down but i I was gonna make this one last point about pimps it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. i read this book about um pimping at the uh after the world war so after world war ii ends there's all these expats uh Americans who are basically living in Paris, people who, guys who fought in Europe, and they're basically in Paris trying to figure out how they don't have to go back to the States. They just went through World War II, and they don't want to get real jobs. They don't want to go back. They really don't know what kind of jobs they're even going to get when they go back to the United States, because these guys have been at war for five or six years, you know, killing Italians in Sicily and, or fighting, you know, fighting Germans anywhere. So they're in Paris. There's these cities. There's these cosmopolitan cities they're just kind of hanging out in. And uh, Paris was the big one. So you got guys who are there and they're meeting these guys who are like, you know, they got these women and, you know, the women are selling pussy. But, you know, before all of this, like the whole idea of, of, uh, of, of a person who facilitated this was what you said, a madam. So like a woman who ran a brothel. And that's what people understood that. Like that's an American idea. That's that idea goes back to the old west. It goes back to the Plymouth Rock days. Like a woman runs a house of women who live together and then there's prostitution going on. That all makes sense, it's perfectly American ideal. Now the idea of a pimp, a man who literally represents a woman and puts her out on the street, she sells the pussy, he gets the money, that's a French idea. That's a French idea of a guy inserting himself in that role. And the whole idea was basically that the guy is going to fill all the needs that a boyfriend would fill, a husband would fill but the the caveat there is going to be the selling the pussy for money but he gets the money and when you look at a lot of those guys and what they were spending like 95 percent of the money that they took in from these women they were literally spending on the women and the other half of this was not only was yeah not only was it that but there was also this element of like not only did you have to you'd have to buy her things and take her places you'd have to like fuck her brains out like that was the thing and you'd have to fuck her like no other guy fucks her because remember it's it's game on because she's out on the street she's fucking dudes for money you got to literally bring your a game now when you're when you're that kind of pimp when we're talking original french pips or what they would call Le mac. so if you're Le mac and you're a guy who's running four or five girls you got to treat them right you got to play boyfriend husband you know counselor psychiatrist all this shit and then you still got to be slinging the top-level dick in order to literally bring everything into line. Because the moment you stop slinging that top-level dick is the moment – boom. Bring in bottom-level uh, bitches, yeah. baby. <laughs> the moment you stop slinging that, that, that grade-A dick is the moment they wake up. They go, wait, why am I doing this? Why is this guy taking my money? Well, what, are, what am I doing here? Then the wheels start turning, right? Once a woman realizes that she's been fucked over, then just like this happens with any, any woman, the wheels start turning. They go, "Oh, what this guy did this to me! I can't believe this! I'm going to get back at him!" And any guy who's ever had a girlfriend or wife or whatever, knows that once Plus a woman decides, him. yeah, yeah, once sure. once they once a woman decides she's going to get back at you, it is on. Like there's no, there's no limits. It, it she could stab you, she could kill you, she could go find another guy, who could stab or kill you. She could go talk to her dad. She could go talk to her brother. Maybe she go talk to her old high school boyfriend. And says, you know, this guy did this and this. I mean, he beat me. It doesn't matter. They'll say anything to get even with you. And so that's what those guys always had to do like the life of Lamac, mac or the pimp was literally a mac uh, literally a life of struggle and literally you're you're always always competing you're always in the realm of competition you're always in, in the you're always in the world of pleasing this woman both uh, uh physically and with uh, emotionally and with with purchases that you had no work there were that's what we talk about like there's no days off for a pimp it's because those guys you know, you you think of that whole situation with one woman, it would be exhausting. Now, if you had three or four different different women, you've turned out like you literally have no time to pursue any other hobbies. That's why these guys are like smoking thin cigarettes and getting drunk at a bar. And they're like, oh, you know, like they had this, this is why they don't, you know, the French didn't believe in like existence or they thought it was all horseshit. You're spending all this time and money and trying to get this stuff done. You know, you're probably sick of the world too
3: that's that's crazy I, I never knew like i mean obviously you, knew, you know you can't say la without saying mac dre you know what sees. oh yeah he holds yeah. A, a special <laughs> place in my heart you know I, yeah i actually tried to do a podcast with his sister it didn't work out i mean, we'll see but um um i never knew that about the origin of the actually uh, of the giving the money or uh, for the fucking part that that's that's interesting
2: yeah it's crazy that it's it's when you look at that same kind of ideals and uh when you look at the pimp hoe dynamic, you can see this in uh, different aspects of, of society. Like you see like elements of this in Colts. You can see elements of this in like Charlie Manson. Like Charlie Manson, he he, he killer. He's a pimp. He's a pimp who got hoes to do some stuff for him. Like that. That's the whole point. He was fucking them, providing all their emotional and physical needs, and buying them stuff. But at the same time, he was reaping all their rewards, getting them to follow along. The whole dynamic of like this weird power pimp dynamic of it, like. Yeah. Pimp men and women like that. That's, that's a real pimp. I mean, this is, this, these are like these same kind of classical ideas of pimping exist in all kinds of other walks of life. But like, we don't talk about that. Like we talk about cults and we think, we think like, Oh, these are bad guys. Or they have people brainwashed, but really it's pimping is pimping. You know what I mean? And it, it, it can is, is, you can spread everywhere. Pimping is pimping is pimping is pimping. Yeah.
3: The, the guy you referenced earlier was Pimpin Ken. Um, He's the guy in the documentary. And if you ever, if anybody has a chance to look up the uh, the pop in the peas with K- Pimpin Ken, um, that will it's will, it's one of the greatest reads you'll ever read. <laughs> I mean, or, it's funny because you know how Pimpin is is kind of like a it, you have to be a certain level of intelligence for it to work. But if you're smart enough for it not to work on you, it's funny to you. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. Say, you know, like man, I'll, I'm putting you I look high as fuck, well, <laughs> now.
2: Well, it's crazy. is like you, you gotta—you literally gotta have like your game down pat. You literally gotta know exactly what you're gonna do. You gotta be a master in manipulation. You gotta be kind of part salesman, part therapist, like part everything to everyone. And you really gotta know—you know—you really have to have an idea or a plan. Like we talk Like I know I talk a lot on, on a lot of other shows. People are like, "Oh, let's talk about male advice. Let's talk about advice for guys." And I was like, "I'm like, you can find a lot of this information. Like you, you wouldn't want to take it that far. Maybe you do, but like in my mind, you wouldn't take it as far as like you." have some bitch selling her pussy for money for you, like that, that seems kind of fucked up. But the idea of knowing your business and being in your business and knowing what you're about and knowing what your plan is, like these are all like valuable ideas any guy can use. So like nowadays when pimp isn't such a bad word, but I think of the word pimp now. Like we think of like, you know uh, cat Williams. Yeah, Pat Williams or D-O-W-G or like these guys were hustling. God bless you, Mike. keep your game tight.
3: Oh, yeah. Don Magic Wand.
2: (laughs) Yep, Don Magic Wand. Yeah, like we think of that, but, but like those elements of that, being on top of your shit, knowing what your business is, being in your business, controlling every aspect of everything that's going on, having your money right. I mean, these are all like pimp concepts that anyone could apply to their life. So this has been my TED Talk. Pimpin' 101 with Evil Mark.
3: Pimpin' 102, baby. Pimpin'
2: 102. So you got to check back in for the next episode when we get to 103, when we talk about slapping a bitch. You got to get through one and two. You can't audit those other two classes. You got to get through those first two before we get to the backhand or we go one from the bell loop, or we talk about literally just beating the bitch down because she doesn't have your money. Those are all 103 classes.
3: You don't don't give all the secrets away. Remember, it's always a minimum yep. of three fingers across the face when you backhand because some of <laughs> you pimps out there catch them with two, and it's not doing a damn thing. But you know what I'm talking about. Everybody that does a pimping always kind of goes into Cat Williams eventually, don't they? I know. You know like, Cat Williams is, is. like
2: – Yeah, the, the perfect example of that. Because Cat Williams is like – He fills that out because he dresses like that so well. He's got the yeah. fucking suits. and
3: That damn he, bird – that, that bird um, medallion he used to wear that was like uh, – Man, it was huge.
2: And what's funny was, like, with Cat Williams, was like he used to show up at the at the comedy clubs. Like, he would show up like that. Not to, like, show up because there were fans there. There were just other comics there standing outside the building. We're, we would just be out there, like, hanging out, bullshitting. We'd be talking about, like, hey, man, have you seen this? Have you played this? Like, oh, man, you got to come over. Like, we're going to, maybe we'll get a six-pack tonight. This, this fucking limo would show up. He'd get out. He'd be dressed to the nines. Fucking medallion, all his shit on, his hair all fucking, you know, all all sprayed, And and you're like, this guy looks like he just came out of a movie. He's like, hey, motherfuckers. And you're like, whoa, it's fucking Cat Williams. And everyone would make a big deal about him. And you could tell he was just so thrilled, but we'd be like, it's two o'clock. On a Thursday, and this motherfucker showing off for us. Like, it don't even matter. We're other fucking comics. We're not, like, we're not gonna do anything for him. There's these are other guys. Like, there's no one here who's gonna blow him. There's no one here who's gonna do anything special for him. He's literally just showing off to us, just to prove that like, he's the man. And we knew he knew he was gonna make a big deal to us. But he would always be like that. I never saw him show up to any place where he wasn't always like, right on point with everything. His image was always stepping out of the limo that's who that guy was to everybody other comics uh bars wait staff whoever he was cat williams 100 100 of the time
3: it really comes through in his specials and his stand-up you know um, you can really hear that he's he's a genuine dude you know and, and he's really speaking i also think he does have a little bit of a crazy streak but all comics do i haven't met him no i mean i've met a couple of normal comics um <laughs> and they're not comics <laughs> you know but um, actually i'm glad you brought that up because that segues perfectly into um the the next topic i want to talk to you about so i wanted to clarify um i, I don't have an issue with joe Rogan. i actually i I'm a, I'm a huge fan i listen to almost every podcast when i can um what I have an issue with is something that I, I it's probably a pet peeve, and I'm probably just picking on it, but I he's front and center, so I see him do it the most. It's yeah, it's not giving it up. And you as a comic, me as a new comic, I am a comic though. I know how important it is to give it up. You were just talking about it on the on the Feathers and Friends podcast with Jared. Um, I I think it's of the utmost importance for other comics, especially to give it up when it's due, you know, not overly or anything, but I there's nothing. More, I mean, you know how it is like when you tell a a joke in front of a room full of people and it falls flat, it's, I mean, it could be life changing. I mean, I, I've, I've forgotten material before and literally had to scat the rest of the goddamn act. because I couldn't (laughs) remember my jokes. I mean, it's true. And I just imagine if you were friends with him or anyone who looks up to him in the back of your mind, having to wonder when he decides that he doesn't want to be sarcastic anymore. And now he wants to respond seriously. That that's really what I'm getting to is that I, I, I don't, it just bugs me when people do that, when they joke sometimes and they don't joke the rest of the time. It's like you can pick one or the other, but if you're in the moment, you can't flip flop back and forth. It's, it's kind of like saying, I want funny. That's my funny. You know, give me, you give me that funny.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
3: like That's what it reminds me of. But as far as his ideals and stuff, I like the guy. You know, I'm a huge fan. I just don't like that he does that. And again, he's front and center, so I see him do it more than a lot. Or not a lot, yeah. but I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's probably you know like if if
2: you were like so in some ways I think like he he still thinks of himself and I know like to everyone else is probably weird but I know he probably thinks of himself as just like just who he was before just like a regular road comic just like a guy who was who's doing it just started selling out theaters and was like was has a name and definitely has name recognition but he doesn't think of himself like probably what he is like he doesn't realize now like there's there's so much emphasis on it especially for comics because there's no tonight show even if you did get on with jimmy kimmel or or uh who's that other seth myers or what's the other Jerkoff's name like steven even if you got yeah. like five minutes on there it wouldn't matter like no one watches those shows it, like those shows don't matter anymore they literally mean dick like even if you were to get on conan i don't think conan has a show like but even Not. if you were to get on show conan five years ago like yeah, it wouldn't matter when he had it yeah, yeah because it's garbage it doesn't mean anything anymore the only thing that really means anything more is especially when it comes Social to comedy yeah it's to well it's to be or that or be on joe rogan if you're on joe rogan then then once you're on there you're on the map like that that kind of makes it so when, when he doesn't give it to you or he does give it to you it's like it's really really tough because like in his mind he's just thinking like i right, you know he's just a guy who's you know giving you his natural reaction but to everyone else like they're so tied up into like i need this guy's reaction like that that's what makes you a break is is, is getting on there you know proving you're funny on there and that's the real challenge because it's one thing to have an hour's worth of material it's one thing to have a good 15 minutes but to go on air and and talk with rogan for three hours and be interesting that's that's a whole different challenge and a lot of guys can't do it you can hear you can hear by by hour number three you'll see who who's really in it you'll see you'll see the, the kreishners from like and i don't want to say anybody's bad but there's there's one of his orbiters who's really bad but you get to hour three, you're going to find that the ones who are really interesting versus the ones who are really fucking – really have nothing to say. And who are only there because they're, they're his friend or, or they're because they're, they have some kind of crazy idea or something. Like, you yeah. know, he's there one of those yeah. guests. But, but really, when you talk about comics, it's like that's the show. And I just don't – to him, it's probably not the show. To him, it's just his show. It's not the show. And it's, it's grown so much and it's so powerful and so far ahead of everything else. It is the show, unfortunately, like every comic. Like, you got to get there and you got to do well on it. And if he doesn't give it to you, then yeah, it stings. It probably feels like a lot of these comics in the '80s and '70s when they were when they had to do Carson. Like if Carson didn't call you over to the couch, then he's basically saying you suck because mm-hmm. the ones that you get called over, they become Roseanne, they become Drew Carey, they become Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. So Dave he, yeah, Dave Chappelle. If he invites you over, then that's the approval. So if he doesn't invite you over, then he, he would say like, oh, that doesn't mean anything. You know, maybe it's just me, but. If he invites one people over, he doesn't invite you over, then that says everything he needs to say about what he thinks. He is. Like, regardless of whether he shit on you or not, him, the simple act of him waving you over is like creates everything. And I think that's kind of, I, I kind of think I can definitely see your, your, uh, your point there with, with Rogan. Because just like with Carson, he waves you over, it's the greatest thing in the world. He doesn't wave you over for whatever reason. We kind of fought. You're, yeah. It didn't go as well as, 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 as it could have gone.
3: I, I agree, and, and honestly, and, and and yeah, just I just want to be clear. Not everybody deserves to be waved over, and and, and especially, um, there's a lot of pretentiousness. I guess probably in every aspect, but especially in comedy now. There's a lot of people that heard they were funny from mommy and daddy too long, and now thinks <laughs> that it bleeds into the real world. And, and and honestly, cannot understand why it doesn't. Nobody else gets it. You know, I mean, I've seen that.
2: I mean, well, bad. yeah, that, that's the best, like a guy who, who goes to baseball games and yells at shit, you know, yells shit and yells at like a, a, a professional baseball player and they're like, their buddies, their buddies are like, you're the coolest, man, you should go up there, you're going to kill it, you're going to be so funny, man, you're like, you're just as good so and so and then they got to go up there on an open mic when you don't have all your friends there, you don't have your jerk off friends there and you got to oh. make strangers laugh and then you find out like, oh no, guess what, I eat
3: shit, I it suck. It's <laughs> exquisite when someone gets up there and thinks they're funny. And just, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's, a like like oversized Costco bag of dicks. Oh,
2: especially when it's like a first time, they're like, "Yeah, this is my first time here, man. I'm gonna get a lot of laughs. Like I love when, when I, especially the the open mics. This is how you can tell like a new open micer from someone who's done open mics for a long time. Like as soon as someone starts talking about shit about becoming a paid regular, you're like, "All right, you're a fucking rookie." Like as yeah. soon as you like the whole thing about being a paid regular is you never even whisper, you never even say the no, idea. They tell
3: you when you yeah when you don't ask you know yeah
2: it, you. You don't even bring up the idea of it. That that's a foreign concept. You want to get your shit right. You don't go like, "Hey man, I can't wait till I'm a, I'm going to be a paid regular. I'd love to come here every you know every Tuesday, every Tuesday and Thursday." It's like, nah. You don't say that shit. They say that shit. So yeah, the yeah. moment you hear anybody talking
3: like that, you're like, nah. You're a fucking rook, man. You're a yeah, rook, you, you and you're you going to get up there. Six months you, to the possibility. The yeah, least, exactly. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I, yeah, I love. You can always tell. I mean, how many have you ever had? A, 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 I'm sure you have. had people handing you a mic, like shaking their head, like? Hmm i don't know yeah (laughs) i don't don't get what happened here you're like uh no you don't
2: (laughs) don't Um, i used to i used to uh, host an open mic for for like brand new like first timers Mm -hmm. and it would be great because we used to do it this at this bar called the amber inn in in west phoenix and west phoenix is like i try to think it's probably like west west la like uh, or east la it's like this is a Mexican neighborhood. This is all hood. Like even the white people are there. A little hood. Like even the white people got got, got creased cag. He's like that's the, that's the West Phoenix, right? Like even, <laughs> even the like white the people. Area, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like even the white people wearing lox. So you're like, goddamn, this is a tough side town. You got like, lox. <laughs> that, that that guy is a fucking accountant. He's wearing Lokes. He's got creased up cag. He's like, this, <laughs> this is fucked up. So, but anyway, you used to host this uh, open mic event right there in, in West Phoenix, and that was the area. Have all these guys come on there. We're playing a bar. Like, this isn't a comedy club. So you've got to play at night. So everyone's been drinking after Sunday night football. Like, we just watched the Cowboys and the Raiders. And, like, now you've got to go up there. And now here's the real challenge. You get up there. There's a room full of Cowboys and Raiders fans. The game's over. Half of the group is pissed off. Now you've got to get up there, and you've got to make everybody laugh. How are you going to do it? And that's the point where you'd see all these newbies go up there. we tell them, all right, maybe you're going to get five. And I remember so many new people would always be like, well, what if I'm doing really good? Could I go for another 10? And I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like yeah, you know what? If you go up there, once you start killing, you, then you know what? You can go and stay what? if you're doing yeah. it, if you're killing yeah. Go ahead. Just act like you're, you're fucking, you're Chappelle. Just stay, go stay up there for a whole hour. I'm like, yeah. I'd always be like, yeah, yeah, just, you, you can keep going. I go, but when we give you the light, I go, you'll see the light, and we'll flash at you, and then you can come off. I'm like, okay, yeah, my, my five is so good. I'm probably going to go probably 10 or 15. I'd be like, okay, okay. okay and they'd go up there. Plan, we didn't matter <laughs> you coming to murder
3: tonight. Yeah, <laughs> What are we going to
2: do? They're going to go up there and destroy everybody. They get up there and they'd be up there looking, looking for that light. Like they get two jokes right. and they're like, oh, where, 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 where's that light come from? You know, they, you, you see those eyeballs searching all over the top of the room looking for yeah. that light because they're <laughs> waiting for that light. They're waiting, like, please flash me that light so I can
3: get out of here. Please, please, please. The worst was that I was there and the guy, I don't know, I don't know what happened. So the ball was dropped and they didn't flash and oh, the guy sorry. was bombing and it was, it was, it was the worst and the best because he was standing there and he like, you could tell like he was out of jokes. He was not ready to do crowd work and nobody in the crowd <laughs> was, was going to work with him anyway. So he bombed, he bombed for you know three minutes straight and you know, in the comedy world, it's a long time to bomb and he was just frozen up there, and I'll never forget. He just politely sat the mic down on the stage and walked off. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> I'm
2: just gonna, I'm gonna leave this, I'm gonna leave this right here, and uh, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna I, go I, now.
3: I found this story. <laughs> I'm sorry,
2: I'm sorry. This is this is too much. I I, I thought about it. I I I, I saw the cold number for Jerry Seinfeld last night, and I, I really thought I thought I had something, but I don't. I'm just gonna here here you go. I, I, I heard all thank jokes, you guys. I,
3: like, I could have wrote those. <laughs> I'm actually. I'm. I'm. Anybody listening who's on the Clubhouse app, you know, get at me. I'm at D Rev T H E E R E V. If uh, if you're feeling like you've cancer and want some smoke, come with it. But I'm that. Yeah, the Clubhouse is great. I, I like. I, I, I started. I started doing stand up. I mean, I spent less than a year that I started doing it. But I started. I, I technically started a few years ago. But then I gave up on it because I, the club I went to literally burned down. I went there for like oh, two shit. months, and it burned to the ground. And I didn't do it, so. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, it, it it kind of there was no other close it was at uh, Pepper Bellies in Fairfield, California and um so uh, I, I gave up on it but uh, I, I love doing stand-up um, I'm not a stand-up comic though I mean I, I would like to do it to promote the podcast but I'm like, wouldn't, it,
2: wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be funny if it was an open mic it was like fuck this I don't want to have to do I don't wanna have to go up there on Monday night
3: anymore I'll burn this fucker to the ground i never have to go in I'd give him an extra minute if it was <laughs> <laughs> every night at every set he ever did again <laughs> because I mean, that kind yeah. of dedication doesn't make you funny but it, you earn respect
2: <laughs> oh my gosh i i remember we used to i comedy spot in scottsdale like our, our stand our open mic night was like i think it was sunday and so like all day like saturday night instead of hanging out with my friends like we'd be having we'd be out there having a good time and i'd be thinking about my spot the next day and i'd be like yeah. oh man oh no here we go here we go. Is this going to work? Like, what am I going to do? Let me, like you instantly start, you know, you're, you're literally in terror before you even the day before the, the, the event. So I could see an open micer being like, fuck it. If I torch the place and I won't have to go in, my name's already on the it, list, you know? but let me burn this fucking place to the ground and I'll never have to show up there. Oh, thank God. Thank God. I thought it just a it little bit of light. With, arson.
3: <laughs> it might as will do it with a match before my jokes did it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> how many, uh, how many, I mean, uh, what was the size of the audiences that you were, normally in front of like out in the uh, that, that area in arizona so at, at the comedy
2: spot where i first started i think that was a room that that fit about 100 maybe all client 200 people on a good day best would get like 25 yeah, maybe fifty. yeah open mic night open mic night they were a lot of phoenix is big on bringer shows so like if you want to get stage time you have to bring five people and then There's if you like Sacramento. yeah i mean it's just like they love this because then they can sell the bar and so open mic night you usually have a lot of people but if you when you go into that regular or you see when you go into that paid regular like thing we're talking like 10 15 people at the end of the night it, it's really it gets way way tougher like at least if you're good and you go to an open mic room and you know you're good you know you got five good minutes and you can know you do a little bit of crowd work then you know and everyone else is probably going to suck because it's an open mic night like it's it's like shooting fish in a barrel like you're going to go up there people are going to be like that guy's fucking great but then when you got to do that on a Tuesday night. When you get paid $25 like a, a set?
3: weekly show that comes yeah. on and a real comic.
2: Yeah. yeah. They just saw Bob Saget early in the evening and now, it, now it's like past midnight and now they got to sit here and watch your bullshit. Like, yeah, there's a very. Yeah, they like, just came from a funeral. I mean, yeah. yeah. Now they're like way not ready to listen to your, but like, that's the real challenge is like, you can get, like, there's weird levels to it. Like, you get good you become a paid regular and then you're like all right cool well, now everything's going to be easy because I, I survived that then you go through a whole other level of shit where it's like you're no matter all your the whole time you're a paid regular you're always on the border of like all right well someone's going to come through here and they're going to be like no we made a mistake
3: we fucked up man
2: <laughs> we shouldn't have picked you because right? like
3: yeah i cannot get rid of i cannot get rid of like i mean i i know i'm funny you know but like i mean i've never been a paid regular i'm still doing open mics but i mean i uh, look uh, I don't know how to put this like I I know I'm good enough but I'm really not dedicated enough to do it I don't go to every single open mic at every place you know and that's what they want you know because they want somebody that's going to be available
2: really I I haven't done any real work in six months as far as uh, stage time or anything like that I'm just I'm so busy Um, and I definitely can do man you're always doing (laughs) I consider myself more of a comic than I do a podcaster or a broadcaster even though I originally came from radio but like that's what I consider myself. But at the same time, I'm like, I got so many things that I want to get right with, with this product. And there's things that I can control with my podcast. And I'm like,
3: I can stand up it still, with an open mic or with a No, mic. I can't.
2: It, the only time I ever did was when, um, and that's how I went from being a, an open micer, do paid regular was like, I'd literally do my own shows. So I'd find these bars in different parts of town, which were like really, really fucked up parts of town, like South Side, West Side, uh, like really, really hood areas. And I'd be like, let me come in here. Let me host an open, com- open mic, you know, let me host a comedy night. And They'd be like, no one's going to be here. And I'm like, let me just do it. Let me run it. Let me do the promo for it. Let me do it all. And then once I started going around, I would start making some of these bar shows pretty good. It was only then that the people at like the comedy spot or laughs or um uh, improv were like oh hey man we hear what you're doing across town it's kind of interesting why don't you come over here on tuesday instead of doing that show And it was literally that's like oh stop doing your show stop doing my own show that i'm hosting and come over and do come over do our show and it was like that's how i kind of worked my way because they never would have if i wouldn't have i found this throughout my whole entire career in comedy like if i wouldn't have pushed anything because I pushed the wrong way. Anytime I pushed, I pushed them the wrong way and they didn't like me. Or if I didn't do something on my own, then I would never get recognized because it just seemed like I was going to be one of the ones who would be, yeah, i would be funny to a certain segment of people, but they would never really give me a legitimate shot for whatever reason, because I just rub people the wrong way. So yeah. I had to figure out a way to do just like, I'm going to have to like take control of this whole situation myself. And then they're going to come back and they're going to be like, oh yeah, yeah, we like you. See, so yeah, now the, the catch there is like, when you come back and they say they like you, you can't be a dick. That was my problem. I came back and I held that grudge like, yeah, fuck you guys. You didn't think I was yeah. good enough back then. You got to like have that feeling for about like two minutes and then you you go, okay, I'm part of the group now. And then you, you don't
3: shit and then you remember, yeah, oh yeah, that's right. You, <laughs> you don't
2: take that attitude and live with it while you're there. And you're like, every time you get a laugh, you're like, fuck you guys. See, I told you, motherfucker. I told you, you guys, you motherfucking hating sons of bitches. Here I am. I'm doing it. And you guys said I couldn't do it. I was on the West side. Like, You get right into your hole like, yeah, I was there. There was a guy. There's a guy named David. He had a fucking khaki suit on. He was a white motherfucker. He had a gun. He was pointing Christ. at me. Here I, yeah. She was creased. Here you are over here. He was doing he was seawalking, man. This motherfucker was seawalking. And he said he had to get to his job the next day at an accounting firm. He motherfucker was seawalking. Here I am. I'm on the I'm here. I'm at the improv now, motherfuckers. And they'd be like, just just do your act. You don't have to yell at us every time you, you're gonna go up. And that that was my problem. That.
3: I've seen that I've seen that happen <laughs> a bunch of times actually. It's um I held
2: that grudge like I, I held that grudge like like if I if Taylor Swift was my girlfriend for some for some weird reason I would hold on I held on to that grudge for dear fucking
3: life. You wrote you wrote a tie five about Taylor Swift. <laughs> I, I get it. You know um, the, the 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 tough thing is like I mean I'm I'm fascinated. I could talk to you about comedy all day. Actually, you know, speaking of which, there is something about comedy I'd like to touch on. I, I thought that was I, I I'd like to get your opinion. Now again, all the greats have been wrong at some point. Okay. So, I mean, you know, like that, the the documentary um, 300 with Leonidas in it.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. He, uh, he, he was a ruler. He was a king. He was, he, he was wrong. And, you know, obviously we all saw how that ended. So now I'm not going to call Jared, Jaronidas.
2: Jaronidas. <laughs> but
3: <laughs>
2: uh, because it's like, it's Cat Williams, if he wouldn't have got famous, he would have still been like the best black comedian on black comedian night. Like, he would have been the best of the best. Like yeah, the, if he was born the, in a the different best, era than
3: best on chocolate Sundays. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like he would have been the fucking guy. Like there's, there's no doubt about it. Just if, if you grew up like that or that's your lifestyle or you, you're familiar with that lifestyle because you got family members, then yeah, I, I think it'll just ring more true to you. And I think you, cause you know that guy, like, you know, people who are crazy like that, who talk crazy shit like that. And I just, stuff happens. And, in fact, I would not even say it's ethnic. I just say it's like it's just, you you grow up poor, you grew up in the hood, like yeah, you're gonna hear shit yeah. like that. You're gonna hear all kinds of like, like there are people who talk like that, white people who talk like that. You just that's that's what it is. But uh, as far as Rogan's pace, I know there's like a lot of people who love Rogan or like or his stand-up, or a lot of people love his podcast, obviously, because it's number one in the world, but his stand-up is take, or, take it or take leave it for a lot of people. And I, I can definitely see that. Um, and I I can't I'll defend his podcast, I'll defend his comedy, but like yeah, I can see why it's not people's cups of I, tea.
3: I think his but, first stand up was really good. Um the, Which one? The first one was um, um is,
2: is that the demon on the uh, on the uh, bedpost? Is that that one or is no, that that's I love that one. That one's good. In my mind.
3: The, it's the one where he talks about the the uh mentally challenged person on um and Noah's Ark story of Noah's Ark. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is it is it um isn't it like Space Monkeys on... What is it?
2: Something Monkeys. Yeah, yeah. That one's... I, I like him. I, I, I like that I like pace, that but one. Yeah. I, I can see why people would would not be like a, a super fan of, of his his stand-up work it's i mean when when you now when we're talking like best of all times so or to where we're, we're going to like start measuring everything like it's it gets difficult because then we got you know we got the billy burrs we got the you know it, i we haven't even mentioned this name i think there's one name that's above them all i think it's chappelle uh i think you know people could make an argument for chris rock of course you'd have to you know put chris rocks writers up there as well but that, take nothing that, away from that's chris but, huge,
3: that's like stare that's like taking steroids in the comedy game you know that's it's once i found that out i mean i'm not saying you can't discredit everything he said but i mean it's tough to i mean you don't find out somebody plagiarized the contract and still pay him for it you know that, it,
2: it's it's tough because i think he, he's got that it comes from a like a long tradition of like guys who like Richard Pryor wrote most of his stuff, but there was stuff that, that he workshopped with friends. And then there's workshopping with friends and there's workshopping with like one other guy. And then there's literally like hiring everybody you can. And, right, and then like, once you hire everybody you can, you can like you're JJ Walker, like you're JJ Walker yeah, yeah. who's hired Jay Leno and Dave Letterman. You're you got like, yeah, you're Drake. You got, you, got, you got 15 guys in the room who are like, give me your best shit. Okay, I like that. I like that. I like that. I don't like that. I, this works for me. That works for me. I don't like that. Like you get into that weird area when you start, bringing it to 15 guys, but I think everybody workshops their shit. So I, I'm hoping I've, I've always heard that Chris Rock has got a team of writers and I, I'm really hoping that it's just workshopping with like five people, not workshopping with 15. I wouldn't be surprised. But at the same time, I mean, like, that's what I hope, because I, I like this material, like when they get bigger and blacker, like great.
3: Bigger we and there was it was it was game changing. I mean, I've I always yeah. was, like, as I'm sure you have, you know, like like, I mean, my first was Richard Pryor, but, you know, and I hate to use this comparison, but it's 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 true. Bill Cosby didn't have writers. And aside from his extracurricular activities, if you are to compare Bill Cosby like we do with everyone, up until the crime is proven or or alleged or whatever, he's one of the greatest. I mean, Bill Cosby changed the game. If you listen to his old stuff, I mean it's and he he wrote that. You know, he didn't have writers.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, and then there's also there's like a guy Bill Cosby's a great example. I think another one would be like George Carlin. Like was such a prolific writer and performer that it's kind of hard. But again, that that would be like when we talk about george carlin like the musical equivalent would i think would be like bob dylan like it's it's hard to 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 be like everyone should be like george isn't yeah yeah well everyone should be like it's hard to say everyone should be like george carlin when like there's literally only one george carlin there's only one guy that good to write that much shit literally write that much material and then be that good at performing it like like not everyone's going to be like a superstar that that has every you know literally talented in every aspect of the game like there's one jordan there, there's there's one you know uh there's you know there's there's one Barry Bots. there's one of this like it's just so rare but I, I think there is some, something to be said about guys who definitely do write their own material like you tell Burr, all the stuff Burr stuff comes from his point of view like when your point of view is so strong or so specific it's hard to write for that guy like Chris Rock's point of view you is you can't his, write
3: for that guy because yeah, yeah.
2: You, you couldn't write like you couldn't write for you couldn't write for for bill burr because everything he does he says it sounds like bill burr he does yeah. basically all his prep work on his podcast you can basically hear how he's formulating everything a lot of workshopping yeah literally right there on the podcast he's literally giving you material for you to to, to, to dwell over I, I listen to that show all the time because my tuesday show is a solo show and doing a solo show is like one of the hardest things ever so i listen to him sometimes
3: really
2: and i'm like i'm like man because he just he just rips he rips and he rips and he rips and, he rips and you're like some of this doesn't make sense but there's a lot of brilliance here and it's it's, it's a fun journey along the way and then
3: it's, it's i just like love the fact you, like you have it in your head like what my, the voice in my head is like what he says out loud you know like i i think this stuff <laughs> he's like saying you know like and he's got that, that that
2: weird like beautiful boston kind of centric i you know like everything is, is filtered
3: <laughs> what does it matter i don't get it <laughs> every time he says i don't get it we should take a drink. Well, speaking of shit on your friends,
2: Uh, I think, you know, people could make an argument for Chris Rock. Of course, you'd have to, you know, put Chris Rock's writers up there as well, but take nothing away from Chris. That's
3: huge. That's like steroids. That's like taking steroids in the comedy game. You know, that's it's once I found that out. I mean, I'm not saying you can't discredit everything he said, but I mean, it's tough to I mean, you don't find out somebody plagiarized the contract and still pay him for it. You know,
2: it's it's tough because I think he, he's got that – it comes from, a, like, a long tradition of, like, guys who – like, Richard Pryor wrote most of his stuff, but there was stuff that, that he workshopped with friends. And then there's workshopping with friends, and there's workshopping with, like, one other guy, and then there's literally, like, hiring everybody you can, write and, and then, like, once you hire everybody you can, you can like, you're J.J. J. Walker. Like, you're J.J. Walker yeah, yeah. who's hired Jay Leno and Dave Letterman and got, like – yeah, you're Drake. You got, you, got, you got 15 guys in the room who are like, give me your best shit. Okay, I like that. I like that. I like that. I don't like that. I, this works for me. That works for me. I don't like that. Like, you get into that weird area when you start bringing it to 15 guys. But I think everybody workshops their shit. So yeah. I, I'm hoping, I've, I've always heard that Chris Rock has got a team of writers, and I, I'm really hoping that it's just workshopping with like five people, not workshopping with 15. I wouldn't be surprised, but at the same time, I mean, like, that's what I hope, because I, I like his material. Like, when we get bigger and blacker, like, great. Bigger
3: and blacker about the- was, it was, it was game-changing. I mean, I, I've always, yeah. been, as I'm sure you have, you know, like, like, I mean, my first was Richard Pryor. But, you know, I, and I hate to use this comparison, but it's, it's, it's true. Bill Cosby didn't have writers. And aside from his extracurricular activities, if you are to compare Bill Cosby, like we do with everyone, up until the crime was proven or, or alleged or whatever, he's one of the greatest. I mean, oh, Bill yeah, Cosby that, changed the game. If you listen to his old stuff, I mean, it's, and he, he wrote that, you know, he didn't have writers. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, and then there's also, there's like a guy, Bill Cosby's a great example. I think another one would be like George Carlin, like he yeah. was such a prolific writer and performer that it's kind of hard. But again, that, that would be like, when we talk about george carlin like the musical equivalent would i think would be like bob dylan like it's it's hard to 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 be like everyone should be like george isn't yeah yeah well everyone should be like it's hard to say everyone should be like george carlin when like there's literally only one george carlin there's only one guy that good to write that much shit literally write that much material and then be that good at performing it like like not everyone's going to be like a superstar that that has every you know literally talented in every aspect of the game like there's one jordan there, there's there's one you know uh there's you know there's there's one Barry Bonds there's one of this like it's just so rare but I, I think there is some, something to be said about guys who definitely do write their own material like you tell Burr all the stuff Burr stuff comes from his point of view like when your point of view is so strong or so specific it's hard to write for that guy like Chris Rock's point of view you can't is just, write
3: for that guy because yeah,
2: yeah. You, you couldn't write like you couldn't write for you couldn't write for for bill burr because everything he does he says it sounds like bill burr he does yeah. basically all his prep work on his podcast you can basically hear how he's formulating everything a lot of
3: workshopping
2: yeah literally right there on the podcast yeah. he's literally giving you material for you to to, to, to dwell over I, I listen to that show all the time because my tuesday show is a solo show and doing a solo show is like one of the hardest things ever so i listen to him sometimes really and i'm like i'm like man because he just he just rips he rips and he rips and he rips and, he rips and you're like some of this doesn't make sense, but there's a lot of brilliance here. And it's, it's, it's a fun journey along the way. And then it's, it's I just like love the fact.
3: You, like you have it in your head. Like what my, the voice in my head is like what he says out loud. You know, like I, I think this stuff he's like saying, you know, like. <laughs> he's got that, that that
2: weird, like beautiful Boston kind of centric. I, you know, like everything is, is
3: filtered. <laughs> what does it matter? I don't get it. <laughs> Every time he says, I don't get it, we should take a drink. Well, speaking of shitting on your friends, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, let's see. Oh, I do, I do have to shout out. I don't know him very well. You know, we, we interact on the, on the uh, Discord pretty well. But um, I, I did hear uh, uh, the reference to Gump's uh, stance on, on Patton Oswalt. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Gump's stance. So, I mean, there's just wanted to shout him out <laughs> for that. I mean, his, his podcast is it's like Great to Be a White Guy or something like that or what's it called? <laughs>
2: Oh no! His his website. Uh, his website is guy dot com. dot com. A celebration of white athletes from Keith Van Horn to Larry Bird to uh, Justin Edelman or Jason Edelman or whatever the fuck his name is. Actually, he's a Jew, so I don't know if he counts. But to Edelman, we'll we'll say from Keith Van Horn to Larry Bird.
3: To but I think uh, he might get a pass. <laughs> but yeah. um, I mean, not in the game, but I mean on the site, you know. <laughs> but yeah yeah i just wanted to shout it out. completely honest with you. Yeah. you know my my grandma taught me at a young age you know if, if even you get a whiff of smoke you must become a fire breathing dragon so um i i felt that I, and again all in good fun i mean i'm, I'm literally doing jared's <laughs> show on thursday um and um and i'm sure i'm gonna get it back so and i look forward <laughs> to it um And I will give you guys no, no, there will be no shortage of material for me. I confuse shit and forget shit all the time. So as Cat Williams would say, every time, every time. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) (laughs) What, what would be, what's the craziest thing that you ever experienced? Like, like at the, one of the comedy or at, you said it was comedy spot, right? It was the one that you were, your home.
2: Uh, my home currently is 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 laughs but yeah my 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 old home was was comedy spot comedy spot in Scottsdale used to be that's where i first came up that's where i first earned my stripes and then was at the uh the improv in tempe which before i got kicked out of there by jimmy kimmel's sister and then uh then i settled on laughs laughs was uh gary shanley's original club when he first came up from new mexico and he started doing tucson and then before he went to the comedy store in la like this this uh, club has the lineage of uh, gary Shanlon, so that's one thing that i definitely love about laughs it's definitely still got that vibe it's got that boom boom 80s vibe yet yeah, we're here we are in 2020 and uh 2022 it's like a, it's and like
3: it's, a happening joint to be in yeah
2: because it's, kind it's kind of tucson of arizona feel, right? it's, it's a college it's a college town and the tucson that, that particular comedy club is stuck in the 80s and the 80s is like a boom time and awesome time for comedy so there's like a lot of relics of the 80s which in my mind is pretty cool because i i think of like when you think of all the guys that came up during the '80s, from like Tim Allen to Gary Shandling to everybody who kind of came through there, was playing, you know Murphy. everyone was playing everything. Yeah, Eddie Murphy, uh, Steve Martin. I mean, it just it was a crazy time for comedy. There were comedy clubs like in every little city in America. And some of them survived. And laughs, laughs is, is one of those clubs that survived the, the '80s comedy boom.
3: Well, now you know, you know, I mean, you know, goddamn well I'm not going to let you skim past why you got kicked out of the club by <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel sister. So. <laughs> um let's hear it um was, yeah, I mean, we was uh, a pimp hand too strong for her to handle or i i think we just
2: i i definitely rubbed her the wrong way when i when i was doing those shows across town i was doing those shows on the west side and i had a tuesday night and a third i had a thursday night popping off and i was literally like i was actually turning making a little bit of money enough money where i was like i could pay for my own bar bill and pay my guys and was literally like why would i come back over there and uh with the owner uh and some other people affiliated with that club oh can come back over and I was always worried that I'd be treated poorly. I was like, I don't want to go over there because you guys are going to treat me like shit. You guys never really kind of ignored me the first time around. No, no, we're going to do things right. And we're going to make sure you get your spots. And you know what? We're going to let you be an opener for when, when somebody big comes through town. Like, we'll we'll make sure that you get featured. They were like, and it was always just because I'm half Mexican. They were like, well, we're going to put you with, like, if Paul Rodriguez ever comes here, then you can open it for Paul Rodriguez, which is, which I guess is like for a Mexican, I'm supposed to be like, all right, where do I sign? Like, I was like, <laughs> but in my, mind, in my mind, I'm like, I like Paul Rodriguez, but like, do I give a fuck if I ever want to? Like, no, not really. Like, that would be like, hey, Mark, I'm going to give you this George Lopez CD if you, if, you, if you drive me across town. I'd be like, all right i mean i'm not against owning a george lopez cd but do you really think like that's you're not gonna offer me gas money you're gonna offer me a george it's just weird like i always felt weird about that there was like oh yeah paul rodriguez will come through George Lopez will come through and then yeah maybe we'll, we'll try to work you in and I was like, that's weird it's weird and racist but yeah yeah like actually where they wouldn't be injured like my audience is like white sports fans or like mixed race people like people who are not so obsessed with all this stuff like my audience is probably not like a, a hip-hop concert and then like three black comics like I I don't think I would fit in like I can, I can carry my own but at the same time like that's not who's gonna want to like find out more information yeah, to
3: accent it <laughs>
2: I'm like Kanye. I'm like Kanye West. I need like some white college kids. That's who that's that's where my demographic is like guys with with uh, with uh, uh, what do they call those shorts with those? No, no, what do you call those shorts? So cargo shorts. I need I need like a college kid with cargo shorts, a T-shirt, his hat's like to the side. Like those those are my people. Those are Possibly my backpacker,
3: a man. Purse. Yeah, yeah, a backpack <laughs> with, with some pins on it.
2: Like that's me. Like that's what I was in college. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, those are my people. My people are basically douchebags and, like, frat guys or guys who couldn't make it into frats because they're too weird. Like, those are my people. Oh, yeah. not, my, my people aren't like that. So we just kept getting bounced around, backed around, and I'd be like – I'd come in there. Everyone would be like, oh, can you talk to so-and-so? Like, everyone would do this thing where they would ask somebody else, and they would go talk That's to her. And okay. I was always – Still I would, politics,
3: man. Like, I would always
2: be the one who just go right in there and I'd be like, hey, what the fuck's going on? Why did I book like that? And she'd say, oh, well, I thought this. I like, go, how can we keep thinking wrong? I go, you should stop thinking. Like you you should, I go, maybe you should let somebody else do things. I would talk crazy shit to her. And like, I never realized at the time, like I never, yeah, I didn't realize that like, Literally, like I leave and she's going back telling everybody like, oh, yeah, he's difficult to work with. He's an asshole because he said this. He said that he told me uh, like I would like I would do some bits about that were basically anti women. Like I would be joking about misogyny, but basically being a misogynist, uh, which would be like, you know, talking about women and women roles. Like in my mind, I was doing a new age Patrice O'Neal and her mind (laughs) was just being a monster. So
3: I don't think. (laughs) In her mind, she was not a fan of Patrice. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) His his stuff was was probably the best stuff. He was like way ahead of his time. Even the like I was more of a stern guy, but the but the best O and A like I've heard all the best O and A bits I've ever heard involved him, and they involved Louis back when Louis and him were on the show. They would uh, go at it. Man. Oh man, they were great. They, they were great. It. Especially Louis, I couldn't even imagine. Like someone can find the clip somewhere, but there's a point where Louis is explaining to Patrice what an N word is. (laughs) It's like, and he's giving him the business. I mean, Louis is like something that you would never hear today. Like if someone, someone's gonna like six months from now, someone's gonna dig it. Like once Louis gets famous again, someone will dig up that clip and that'll be better. The political assassination form but I mean that is like one of the funniest things ever to hear to hear those guys go back and forth on ONA the worst part of ONA was was ONA like everything else was great right. Norton that's a great, great point
3: yeah <laughs> that's a great point you're absolutely right <laughs>
2: And because right before the election, I had went away and like, I had to go do my stuff and serve my time. It was like, there was nobody, nobody in the media. I think there's, I can count on the, my hand, the number of people who, who wrote letters to me while, while I was there. And she was one of them. Like, it was the coolest thing yeah. ever because of all the people I knew, like I had friends, like people I would consider good friends who... When I came back, they were like, yo, man, what's going on? What's going on? I mean, how you doing? How are you living? I'm like, well, you know how I'm living. You know where I was. Didn't, you never even wrote me a postcard. Mother- yeah, what do you me, like, what the fuck? And But she was a person who wrote me a couple postcards, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I was like, because we weren't really friends. We didn't have like a relationship thing. There was never even that. But I was always nice to her, and she was always nice to me. And she wrote me a, a nice postcard, a nice Christmas card, actually, when I was when I was in the Feds. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. But yeah, that's you that's a whole her other her? story. You
3: don't talk to her anymore?
2: No, because they've uh, like the guys who used to work on my on my show, uh, they've gone on. A, one guy doesn't want to anything to do with Trump or anything related to, back to that time frame at all. And I want to respect that. He's like, oh, it's just too toxic. Like people will treat me different if they well, know what this. Is his name, name. <laughs> his name <laughs> is Richard. No. <laughs> Yeah, his first name is Richard, but I'm not going to put it. I'm going to put his ass on front street because okay. he did say that. And I'm like, all right, all right. And, and the other guy,
3: be... <laughs> shout out to Jared, uh, at Feathers and Friends. Check that out. It's on, uh, and check out Parrot Gaming Productions on YouTube. You can find Feathers and Friends on Spotify. You can find Mark, uh, EvilMark.com, uh, Evil mark show on uh, Spotify and all the major platforms, all the platforms that matter, all the ones that YSP is on. And uh, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate your time. And uh, remember, like, don't cheat yourself, treat yourself.
0: So there it is, and there you have it, motherfuckers. As you can tell, Mark is a classy dude, and uh, I'm thankful I was able to sit down and clear the air. And uh, thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with you soon.